Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest today is Rihanna Sachs, founder and CEO of the Little Cats Rescue, or TLC. Located in Newport Ritchie, TLC functions as a cat rescue and no-kill sanctuary, and has been around in some version for more than 20 years. But that constitutes just a portion of the Sachs feline saga. Indeed, she has been rescuing and caring for cats for the better part of 50 years, including volunteering at Big Cat Rescue back in the days when that facility was known as Wildlife on Easy Street. But even there, amidst a sanctuary that housed lions, tigers, and other big cats, she was drawn toward administering to the domestic cats that roam the property. To be sure, if you trace the Rihanna Sachs storyline with a tight focus, you'll see a career arc that reflects her true calling to cultivate the health and well-being of cats, little cats. As one measure of her devotion to kitties of all stripes, the Little Cats Rescue often hums along as largely a one-woman operation with Sachs wearing not just multiple hats, but sometimes it seems all of the hats. That said, she welcomes those interested in volunteering, whether that means caring for the cats in the sanctuary, helping with adoption events, or providing other forms of assistance. We'll delve into assorted aspects of the Little Cats Rescue when I speak with Rihanna Sachs in a moment here on Talking Animals on WMNF. A programming note, two weeks from today, October 4th, is the first day of WMNF's Fall Fun Drive, and I'll be raising money that morning on Talking Animals on behalf of WMNF. As usual, I have a giant fundraising goal, especially for an hour-long show, and I've learned over the years that the only real prospect of reaching that kind of goal is by receiving several early pledges, in other words, before the Fun Drive show itself. So if you enjoy Talking Animals in one way or another, please support us today. Head to WMNF.org, look for the programming schedule, Find Talking Animals, of course, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Click on that and locate the tip jar above the Talking Animals listing at the top of the page there. And please donate. I'll appreciate all pledges of all sizes. As usual, I have some exclusive gifts to thank you for donations at various levels, including a pair of fantastic concert tickets, three copies of Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, the fabulous New York Times bestselling book by comedian extraordinaire and pug enthusiast Maria Bamford, few copies of this terrific thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle of a bodega cat with fruits and vegetables, plus past favorites like cat aprons and dog aprons and Talking Animals t-shirts and more. So hopefully you'll get us off to a good head start with an early pledge on behalf of Talking Animals. Meanwhile, coming up later in today's program, I'll speak with H.H. German, founder of Sigma Comics and the writer-creator of Calico, believed to be the first comic book hero dedicated to fighting animal abuse. Such, we've closely tracked Calico as it's unfolded across its eight-issue series, and I've periodically talked with German starting around the publication of the first issue. Now, issue number seven has been launched on Kickstarter, so we're nearing the end of the series. We'll discuss the challenges and rewards of publishing a comic where the hero battles animal abuse and more when I talk with H.H. German later in today's program. Right now, though, let's talk cats, little cats, with Rihanna Sack. With a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is Rihanna Sachs on Talking Animals 
on WMF. Good morning, Rihanna. Good morning, Duncan. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals this morning. Well, thanks for having me again. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's been too long, so we have some serious catching up to do, and I, I do want to cover a lot of ground with you, obviously. Of course, the focus on the little cat's rescue. But as I outlined in the opening, you're a lifelong cat person, so I'm hoping you could start off by telling me about your very first cat that you loved, the very first cat you really felt connected with. The very first cat his name was Rudy, and as it turned out, over the years, I've had four Russian blues named Rudy. Oh wow! Trying to yeah. trying to rec- trying to recreate the first Rudy experience, or apparently, yeah, yeah. I um I was living in uh, upstate New York and was going through one of the stores. It was kind of like a like a Walmart, but they also had pets and everything in there. And I, I walked past this little cage, and this tiny little Russian blue just looked up at me and said, "Please get me out of here." So I did. And then it began. Wow. And so how old were you at this time when this when Rudy number one entered the picture? I think I was about 20 or 21. Okay. And had you grown up Almost. with cats? No, actually, we never had a cat when I was growing up. We always had dogs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. And I love dogs. In fact, I have one now. Um, hopefully, he's not going to bark while we're talking. Well, if <laughs> he does, tell him it's totally okay. The show's called Talking Animals, and we actually invite him to do some barking oh, if he okay. would like to. Yeah. Here, Sonny Ray. Yeah. He's uh, he's great. He's the uh, resident cat trainer. He helps cats get ready for homes with large dogs. Oh, that's good. Like, like his predecessor, Tai Tai, who was also a rescue. Yeah. Who left? Yeah, he left for Rainbow Bridge way back in October last year. Yeah, no, I'm sorry to hear that. I know that was a very tough situation, as all those uh, times that we have to say goodbye to those animals is. But uh, temporary. So you had dogs. Was one or more dogs always kind of part of the family when you were growing up? Yeah, we always had a dog, German Shepherds. We had a St. Bernard. We had a Mastiff. We had a Boxer. Um, another St. Bernard. Wow. And then, then as, as we, I'm the oldest of five, and as we all grew up, my brother always had dogs, and I always helped him with his dogs. He had a wonderful lab, and I love dogs. I think they're great. Yeah. And was there a certain attitude about animals that your family kind of projected when you were a kid? It sounds like there was always at least one dog in the house, so it sounds like the, there was definitely a very positive feeling about animals, or specifically dogs at least. Well, dogs in particular, yeah. I yeah. grew up in your, in your typical, you know, steak and potato kind of environment, unfortunately. Okay. But, uh, yeah. But definitely uh, pro-dogs, for sure. Pro-dogs. Actually, my mom, may she rest in peace, helped me to found the Little Cats Rescue. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Ruth Ruth was my co-founder. All right, well, let's circle back to that in a sec, because one of the things I'm curious to know, given the incredible experience you've had with cats, I mean, I'd say say you've known a zillion more cats than most of us have. What would you say at this point are the qualities of cats that you prize the most? I love their purrs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And their purrs and their, their independence and their quirkiness. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're really amazing creatures. Very smart. And what is even? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you know whatever it takes to get a little more food or something, right? Yeah. A little but, more, a little more petting. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little more per action. In your view, what makes them special? Because obviously, you you wouldn't be have spent the life the way you did if you didn't think they were special and worthy of tremendous energy and assistance and uh, support. Well, you know, I love all animals. That's I am vegan, um, and um, it, that's the hardest part, actually, of the cat rescue. Is, is cats are obligate carnivores, and yeah. giving them giving them animals is really hard for me. But I know that that's what they need. So, I mean, I, I don't know how I ended up with a cat rescue. As you mentioned in your opening, I was with Wildlife in Easy Street. I also volunteered with the Animal Coalition of Tampa on spay days, and the cats at Wildlife just, they spoke to me, and every seems like every time I turned around, there was another cat showing up at my door. Yeah, 
You were just the place to go, it seems like. It seemed like it. Yeah, it was like some kind of magnet. And I keep saying I'm going to retire. You know, I swore when I was going to be 64, I was going to retire. But that 64 has come and gone a long time. Yeah. But my vet my vet tells me it's not in my DNA, so I just got to keep going. All it's right. It's kind of like the mafia, too. You know, it's once you're in, you can't get out. Right. <laughs> no, it's, it, it is tough, and there's not really a clear exit route in, in most cases, for sure. So this may spark a little bit of controversy, but have you found over the years, given all the cats, again, that you've known and cared for, that some cats truly are special and distinctive, while others are nice and cute and all, but frankly, a little bit unexceptional? Well, absolutely. There are some cats that prefer no humans. Yeah. They're kind of hard to take care of and deal with. I've got some of those here. They, even though they came here as babies, they're still very wary of humans. I have to trick them when I have to do anything for them. So they came there as babies, but I guess that was still, still too late to kind of socialize them, or that's just more of a personality quirk? I think it's in their DNA. They were yeah. more than likely first-generation feral, and they just never adapted to humans but that's okay they have a safe place to live and they get three squares a day <laughs> yeah it's a pretty good gig for a grouchy cat i guess yeah. yeah yeah they love they love other well most of the cats here love other cats i do have a few that need to be an only cat and i would love to have some adoptions adoptions have been very slow yeah well we'll talk about that for sure because uh that seems like pivotal kind of to the operation with that many cats there and always trying to see if you can find homes for at least some of them so right we'll yeah we have a legal capacity of 50 at, and so at, I've got 50 cats. Yeah. So, like, if somebody, I think I saw a post uh, within the last few weeks, maybe, where somebody, and I'm sure this is hardly the first time, but somebody kind of came by and I guess just sort of dropped off, quote unquote, some cats. So what does that do? Because at that moment, at least, let's say it's three or four cats in a box or however they did it, that puts you above 50. Then what? Well, you just got to deal with it. You know, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to turn them out, turn them loose, turn right. them away. The most recent cat that we I had some traps, some humane traps on the side of the sanctuary. And I came home from errands and there was a cat in the trap in the front of my house. It was microchipped. We, uh, Pasco County Animal Services and I were able to track down where the cat originated. And that's with uh, a rescue group called Purr. And so I was able to reunite the cat with Purr. Okay. And uh, I just kind of, you know, you fit them in and you hope for the best. Um, animal Services understands, you know, that you, you don't want to get way over your limit. But So if you go you know, to 54 or 56, even temporarily, no one's going to hassle you, especially if it's in a situation that you didn't bring on yourself. Somebody just dumped. Uh, some cats are, are dropped off because right, right. Yeah. They do have a heart. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Stressy. If you just tuned in, my guest is Rihanna Sachs, the founder and CEO of the Little Cats Rescue. Located in Newport Richie, the Little Cats Rescue functions as a cat rescue and no kill sanctuary. If you'd like to ask Rihanna a question about cats or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663. Email DJ at WMNF.org or text 813-433-0885. In fact, we do have a caller that seems to want to get involved in the conversation. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Rihanna Sachs. Hey, Duncan, this is another WMNF uh, guy, uh, Mark Hart. I do Thursdays. We are also are on the air together at KUCI, and I love cats, and I have a few comments. <laughs> okay, okay, well, that's already jam-packed with information, but fire away. What, what I think is important to point out is the, uh, the practical aspects of cats and, you know, the 10,000-year-old or more duty of cats doing uh, rat and rodent control. And uh, I use 
use them in my yard. Uh, they're rescue cats. They were not um, supposed to be indoor cats, but I leave them outside. They're great, but they kill mice and rats like crazy. But the other example was at the Santa Monica Community Garden in the in the 90s when I was there, and also at Long Beach in the 90 in the 2000s. That uh, the garden master said that they just completely wasted their time with traps and poisons and all this stuff didn't stop anything. The rats didn't go away, the chipmunks, nothing went away. It was a complete waste of time. So they brought in feral cats and it solved the problem overnight. And so that's that's the kind of thing that cats can do. Uh, okay, well, there you go. Thanks, uh, thanks, Mark. All right. Thanks for your call. Okay, Rand, any uh, response or comments on uh, Mark's... Uh well, I completely agree with what he said. Uh, we do work very closely with uh, barn cat, Char's barn cats up in Hudson. Mm-hmm. She uh, she um, checks them out and sees, you know, if they're feral or they can be rehabilitated, and she does have a barn network. Can't let the cats out here because we're we're in a pretty busy neighborhood, 54 and kind of Little Road and 19 between that, and it's just not safe, and there's coyotes around and mean people, and, you know, it's just it's crazy, but... We just hope that we find good homes, good, loving, indoor, forever homes for all of our kitties. And if we don't, they get to stay here for their lives, which as they age can get pretty expensive, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, you know, 50 cats needing vet appointments. It, 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 it's a little stressful. I would like to add, on top of being the founder and CEO, I am the resident caregiver. <laughs> yeah. Well, people, no, that's people are always asking me. Oh, I want to do that. I would love to do that. Well, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. No, that's got to be uh, a lot day to day, especially if some cats are ill and things are going on. It's you know. Uh, right now, I've got um, twelve kittens that are fighting kitty colds. Oh, One of the little families is a beautiful Siamese mix that reportedly was found taped up in a box with her brand new babies, four four of them. Um, and placed uh, in the sun by a retention pond and was stumbled across by a good Samaritan who brought them to me. And kitties all have really bad colds, but mm. uh, with my wonderful vet, Dr. Pierce, we're working on it. We're getting them all healthy. That's great. So just to back up a little bit, and then we're going to con- continue getting more into the Little Cats Rescue story a little bit. How did you get or what prompted your move back when you were up north to Tampa. What what brought you to Tampa initially? Well, actually, I moved from, from Jersey and, and New York to Florida, and then I, I just did not like it. I moved to California. I've actually been back and forth between Florida and California four times. Oh, wow. I love California, but I uh, can't afford it. Yeah. And, you know, if I, I often say, oh, I wish I never left California, but then if I never left California, all these cats that I have had the pleasure of meeting and helping and the dogs and the people um, wouldn't be in my life. So here I am in Florida. Yeah. And then as we touched on briefly, one of the things you did when you got to Florida, at least one of those times, was uh, volunteer at Big Cat Rescue at that point, known as Wildlife on Easy Street. And right. uh, so you witnessed uh, from either up close or afar quite a quite a saga of theirs, including now uh, sending off uh, most of their cats. Um, it's... Uh, to Arkansas there with the aim of kind of closing the, yeah. the sanctuary and selling off. That's your classic and literal end of an era, I think, uh, in that regard. Well, Carol, Carol and her staff have had quite a wonderful run. I have not, nothing but the utmost respect for her. Yeah. I very much enjoyed my two to three years volunteering there. And actually, uh, people say, oh, did you name yourself after Big Cat Rescue? And no, I didn't. It's funny. They were called Wildlife on Easy Street. And Gracie from um, Heidi's Legacy was encouraging me to incorporate. I couldn't think, what what should I call this? What should I call this? And I kept coming up with the name Haven, but everybody's named Haven. 
So I thought, I know, we're going to do something beyond, above and beyond. We're going to give them tender, loving care. Okay, tender, loving care, TLC, the little cat. And after I came up with that name, it was funny. I heard from Carol, and she wanted to let me know that they were changing their name from Wildlife on Easy Street to Big Cat Rescue. That's so funny. <laughs> it was very coincidental. Yeah. So when and all that, then did you first the the seedling of the idea for what became the Little Cats Rescue? You mentioned a moment ago that your mom was kind of pivotal in that. So how did how did you first kind of get the idea and how did you carry out that idea once you did come up with it? Well, I was renting a condo in Tarpon Springs and cats just kept coming to me. And I ended up with 14 cats in a one-bedroom apartment. And I was like, you know, this this isn't working. Wow. And uh, one of the managers at PetSmart, I was working for Nutro Pet Foods at the time. And one of the managers there kept trying to encourage me, why don't you incorporate? And Gracie, the same thing. So And Cindy Flowers from Kitty City. I had a bunch of really good mentors. So I just, I did it. And they offered me the adoption center at the Trinity PetSmart, which we uh, occupied for 10 years, which was great experience. We've been gone from there for about 10 years now. And I... I knew that I couldn't continue to function in a one-bedroom condo, and so my mom and I decided, let's find a house. This was the 50th house I looked at because it had to have a cat's eye view, and it had to have no carpet. Oh, yeah. We found this house, and it was was, um, zoned for agricultural slash residential, but I still had to put in a fight, cost about three grand, to get an exemption to be able to have as many cats here as I have now. When I had the adoption center in PetSmart, we actually had like 130 cats at the sanctuary. But there was a big turnover back then. You know, people were coming in and adopting cats left and right. Fortunately, there's not enough homes for all these babies that are being born. And it's it's heartbreaking. But I'm glad I was at least able to save and help some of them. Yeah. Sometimes when you look at it, you think, oh, my goodness, I'm not making any impact at all. Because the amount of homeless cats is just as bad as it used to be 20 years ago. Yeah. But I have to remember that I might not have made a, a difference in the overall humongous crisis that we have, but we made a difference in each one of their lives and the families that adopted them. And it's great. We hear back from families throughout the years. They send us pictures. Even 15 years later, we get pictures of our graduates, as we call them. Yeah. And sometimes I think when you're in the world of uh, animal rescue, welfare, various offshoots, Sometimes you just have to sort of find a way to make peace with what you can do and the, and the good that you are doing rather than like uh, second guess and agonize over what you can't quite do or the, the things. Exactly. That you, yeah. yeah. So that was about 20, 20 some odd years ago, I guess. Right. When the Little Cats Rescue was launched. 2002. Yeah. So 21 years or thereabouts. So again, as we've talked about already, that's a lot of cats over a lot of years. What's maybe the single biggest lesson you've learned over those 20 years? Wow. You can can go two or three if you need to. You don't have to limit it to just one. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely more than one. Yeah. You have to take what people say with a grain of salt. You can't always believe what they're saying. And you just have to overlook it and just go for the big picture, try to help the cat the best you can. I always always say cat rescue would be so much easier if it wasn't for humans. So does that mean stories that people tell you about a cat that they need help with? Is that what you're referring Uh, to? or That, that, or people, you know, I love people that have a heart to feed these stray cats, but they don't seem to understand that if you feed them without fixing them, you are creating a humongous problem. Yeah. 
and there are plenty of low-cost options. Right now, it's a little hard to get an appointment. you got to think ahead because there's so many needing to be fixed. For sure. But that's the only way out of this crisis. We can't adopt our way out. We certainly can't kill our way out. We've got to stay and neuter our way out, and people have got to get their animals fixed and stop letting them roam around. Yeah. That... these little babies that are born, they, they didn't ask to be here, and, and you know what's their future like? There's just not enough homes for them all. Yeah. No, it's it's always the message is spay-neuter, spay-neuter, spay-neuter. The message doesn't seem to reach uh, well, as many. People should understand that a, a cat can get pregnant at four months old. Gestation is two months. She can get pregnant while she's nursing. And then her babies can get pregnant at four months old. So it's just it's just an incredible explanation. I'm sorry, I messed up that word bad. Um, you know, it just it just keeps increasing and increasing. And yeah, yeah, no, it's done. yeah, and I think especially noted that that if it's if it's feral cats and there's a colony, it's so important. It's pivotal that it's great to feed them, of course. But if you're not ensuring that they are spayed or neutered then what you think is a kind gesture, and on some level, of course, it is a kind gesture, but you're actually adding to the problem in such a dramatic exactly. fashion. So Yeah, so, yeah it cracks me up when I get a call. I've been feeding this stray, and she came back pregnant, and I can't figure out how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But, I, you know, I've been surrounded by some really amazing, wonderful people who, you know, sometimes it's like a one-woman one show, but I do have some really good help in the background that, I have a, um, a brand new web host, uh, webmaster. He's done a great job. Our website looks fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got people in the background. I've got some amazing supporters and donors. They're always there for the cat. I mean, we've had some major expenses, you know, a $3,000 surgery here and a, a $2,000 whatever there. It really adds up. And if it wasn't for the village that we have, yeah. You wouldn't be able to do any of this. So uh, on that note, my understanding is there's there's no paid staff. And really, I guess you would consider yourself part of that. I mean, you're not really a paid staff member, but, but you do live there, as you've noted. And I guess your living expenses are covered. So, But the, otherwise, well, there's no real salary for anybody, much less. Uh, no, the, we've, we've never had any paid staff and yeah. never taken a salary. And I, I actually pay... A portion of the mortgage on top of the cat. I have one room in this house. <laughs> Me and my dog share an office, although right now I've got a mama cat nursing in my office. Um, and, you know, I, I do contribute to the to the bills here. So. Yeah. And is there a board of directors? Yes, we do have a board of directors. Okay, cool. And, because yeah. uh, one of the things, of course, I'm sure I'm not alone in wondering, thing that even though you've noted there's some great people helping with the website and other aspects, but it is essentially often, at least it looks to be, a one-person operation. So especially with 50-some-odd cats, lives on the line, it seems incumbent to ask about what kind of succession plan is in place to keep the little cat's rescue going. If, God forbid, something happened to you, got hit by a car or that ill brief, whatever it might be. Well, none, none of us are getting out of here alive, and I ask myself that question every day, and I honestly don't have an answer. So there's just, there's no succession plan yet drawn up for. There's not, no. and um, I, I I angst over it all the time. I just I don't know what the answer is. There was a period of time where I said, okay, that's it. I've got to wind this down. I'm not taking in any more cats, period. And, yeah. and I got the numbers down to 35. I gave away most of my crates, my dog crates, because when they first come in, they, they go in a large, very luxury crate with toys and water fountains and everything mm -hmm. until they can get acclimated to me in the place. Yeah. I gave a lot of the crates away. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I give the crates away. Because if I have an empty crate, that means I have room, right? I can save another cat. But there's never an end to another cat. Yeah. And uh, I just couldn't do it. I became depressed. 
I felt like I cut the circle of life off. You know, if you're not if you're not contributing and, and, and moving in that circle, nothing's flowing. And so now I got my numbers back up to 50, and the calls, they don't stop. They don't stop. Right. So and to I me, know. that's why it would seem all the more essential to start nurturing somebody that would uh, be able to take over the leadership of the organization, start to know the cats and their stories and the key protocols. Because, again... Volunteering. To be, to be the person. Well, there's, al- there's always people that are super passionate about cats and willing to help. And I think the idea of like knowing that there's a sort of a leadership role, even though it's certainly not exactly uh, handsomely compensated, whatever. But I don't know. I guess I'm just concerned about anytime there's sort of a one-person operation that's been around for a long time. Uh, again, there's just so many things that can happen that could, not to be grim or anything, but just, you know, like I say, getting hit by a car, but it could be anything. Oh, Illness that no. takes you out of commission. Like then what happens to those 50 cats? Exactly. I'm, I'm cognizant of that every day, and I do have a board of directors that will not going to let them fall by the wayside or yeah. let animal services. But, you know, if there's, there's, there's so many rescues and everybody's struggling under the same weight as I am. Too many cats, too many calls to help cats. Not enough homes, not enough money, not enough time, not enough volunteers. And you just kind of trudge along day by day and hope that it all works out. And you got to take your head out of the clouds and know there's got to be a plan. But if I yeah. knew what that plan was, I'd be more than happy to share it. Yeah. If anybody has an idea, shoot me a text. You want to take over for me? You know, I'm not going to live forever. <laughs> yeah. Get a hold of me because um, this problem is not going to go away. There's always going to be straight. Right. Need hope. Yeah. No, that's uh, especially when you got the population down to 35 and then it rose back up to 50. It seems like it's always going to be hovering at 50 no matter oh, what well, else that's happens. Only because it's legally my, my amount. I mean, no, I know I, that's that's the limit. Uh, I'm sure there could be far more than that if there weren't that limit. I could have 500 cats if I allowed yeah, it. <laughs> for sure. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Again, this is Talking Animals on WMF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is Brianna Sachs, founder of the Little Cats Rescue, the Newport Ritchie Cat Rescue and No Kill Sanctuary. If you'd like to join the conversation, please call 813-239-9663 email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885 so we sort of touched on this briefly earlier and i said we'd circle back to it so i certainly do want to talk about adoption so how many of the 50 cats thereabouts living there are currently available for adoption 40 i'd take a guess at 40 i'd have to go down the list you know there are some that need to be an only cat there are some that have you know whatever issue but for the cats that have no issues and are adoptable there's 30 of them i have cats ranging in age from these little babies are just turned four weeks old and my oldest cat is 16 and every age in between every color and personality a lot of the cats have bonded with another cat and we try really hard to not break that bond it's hard enough for them to have been here i mean some of the cats have been here for their whole lives i've got teenage cats that used to be kittens and they never got adopted yeah and they're beautiful you can see them at the website and fill out the application to uh, apply to come and meet them and yeah. hopefully uh somebody will pick you so how does that work by the way we should mention the website is the littlecatsrescue.org what is the procedure i remember you used to have regular adoption events at pet smarts where are your off-site adoption events these days we really don't have any no um that seems stressful well it's very stressful for the cats to go to these adoption events mm. we were after we left pet smart we did we went and set up cages and brought cats and i don't know we just never had uh, maybe one adoption here or one adoption there i know that there was an adoption event recently and a friend of mine who has a rescue had one adoption we have a lot of word of mouth we're on pet finder uh adopt a pet and uh, we have a lot of repeat adopters so how many cats would you say uh, under those circumstances that you adopt out in a given week or a given month <laughs> 
it goes in spurts. I haven't had an adoption in a couple months. And wow. at that point in time, I had four all in like the same week. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just hard to know. And there's oh, no wow. rhyme or reason really kind of to dry spell and then that spurt? There's really not. The economy uh, in general is taking a big toll, I think. I mean, people are uncertain about their future and a little, a little concerned about taking on another mouth to feed, another vet bill. Yeah. Is it sort of hard compared to maybe other places to adopt from the Little Cats Rescue? I don't think it's any harder than any other legitimate concerned organization. There's an app, Since the uh, sanctuary is in my home, it's not open to the public. That's part of my arrangement with the county. Yeah. It's by appointment only. Plus, you know, who wants random people running in and out of their house? Um, so there's an adoption application. You complete it, submit it, reviewed. Uh, we, we do ask for vet references. Okay. We do verify employment, um, and we do do a home visit. Now, before COVID, we did them in person, and since COVID, we're, we're kind of sticking with virtual home visits because, you know, I've been, I've taken cats. It used to be that, okay, everything was approved pending the home visit, and I would take the cat with me to the home visit, and if things didn't add up, the cat didn't stay. Mm. And I've seen some pretty scary things on those home visits. But the virtual uh, take me on a tour through your house didn't work really well. Okay. So that's basically it. That's the process, yeah. That's so so somebody went to the website now, which, again, org, and looked at the cats available, and they downloaded and filled out the application, submitted it, and everything looked okay, and you did your checks, et cetera, including the Zoom home check. Like, within well, what the period? Home check the home check comes after they've already met the cat. You know, they come, they meet the cat, they see okay. them. I, enjoy, I ask them to bring the video with them when they come. So if there's any questions, we can talk about it. I see. So, like, in a typical situation, um, from the first person today saying, hey, there's a cat or a couple of cats that are really kind of either one or maybe even both I, I wouldn't mind bringing into my family. So from, from today seeing that, like, generally, what's the timetable if everything went well and their application checked out and their background check and et cetera and the home inspection? It could be a couple of days. Couple okay. Days, you know, like, yeah. All as right. Soon, as, soon as, I, as soon as I get the application, I, I call the vet. I get the vet clearance. I've had vets tell me, please don't give them another animal. <laughs> or I've had vets tell me, oh, yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah, so that's a key. That's a key element. Yeah, that like sounds that. like it's the uh, exactly where you steer clear of any sort of red flags that you otherwise wouldn't. I do check the do not adopt list. Yeah, make sure that there's nothing there. Okay. Because yeah. you know this is this is important. I we don't save them and nurture them and get them back to health mentally and emotionally and physically to just toss them to the wind and hope it sticks. Right. For sure. No, it sounds like it's important to be super careful and that vet element. It's, it sounds like it's pivotal. Just because if they, first of all, if they don't have a relationship with a vet, that's concerning maybe, depending on what kind of cat they're looking to adopt. But if the, the vet gives them a huge thumbs up, that's great. And if there's some right. reservations or concerns, that's uh, that's important for you to know. I also need to know that they are gainfully employed or have some kind of income. I have been lied to on applications and called to check to confirm their employment, only to be told they never heard of the person. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. it's got to be careful because it's a crazy world out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, I so protect these babies. Yeah, absolutely. So we're sort of nearing the end of our time, Rana. So I, I want to be sure to talk about this because, as we've noted a few times, there's many feline mouths to feed and some substantial veterinary bills and so on. How is the organization funded? You, you mentioned that you feel like you've been fortunate about the. Uh, the village and the different ways people are supporting the operation. So how does that work? Is it strictly donation? Is there other means of, of funding that you... Uh, well, are- we do have some fundraisers. Alyssa is our fundraising coordinator. 
And she's got us a, a booth at the event down in St. Pete called Halloween um, Halloween on Central in mm -hmm. St. Pete. That's coming up. But you can see all of our events coming up at the website. We have a calendar on there. Our donations are we have we have several really really generous consistent people that just they're there without fail. We do run uh, birthday fundraisers. Facebook is a really big um, option for us to to get donations in. It's, it's usually very effective. Oh, so people the, can so go the, to the Amazon. We have an Amazon wish list. We have a Chewy wish list. And so people, always, it comes together. It yeah, seems to come together. So people can donate by way of saying, here's 50 bucks, I'm just donating straight across. Or they can say on the Facebook thing, like, hey, today's my birthday. I'm asking for a donation in support of the Little Cat Rescue because of this, this, mm -hmm. and the other thing. So there's that. And then I guess there's a whole other means of donating food or other items uh, mm -hmm. that, you, that you also have, I think, on the website. That, that you, right. You know, that I, did, I did want to mention, too, that we are the Little Cat with an S. Rescue. Yeah, that, uh, my my biggest question of the whole interview is the is it TLCR or is it TLC? I mean, trying to. Uh... We stopped calling it TLC a long time ago. Okay, um, well, because you told you told that story about launching it with the, the the name sort of starting backwards from the. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So um, you got to be careful though, because there's a group out there that's fairly new, a couple years old. They're in Zephyr Hills. And they named themselves Little Cat Rescue. And there has been some confusion. We are not them and they are not us. Yeah. We are the, and then it's a plural cat. Right. And, and, um, S apostrophe. S apostrophe, that's correct. Yeah. Although you usually don't see the apostrophe in, uh, online. They just kind of leave it off. Right. But yeah. we do have our Facebook page. I We're on Instagram. We're on Pet Finder, Adopt-A-Pet, and... Um, we have a fairly good following. Over 6,000 people follow us on Facebook. That's great. Yeah, it is. So and we need volunteers. Oh, my goodness. I yeah, that was uh, anticipated my very next question. So uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about volunteering. So how many volunteers are there involved with the Little Cats Rescue at the moment, would you say? It ebbs and flows. We do, uh, we do accept community service for felonies and misdemeanors. Wow. And... Yeah, um, we've been, you know, inspected and in interviewed by the powers that be over there. So we, we get some really nice people that come in and, you know, they get a DUI or whatever. Um, I don't allow any animal abusers in, of course. Yeah. So we, we've got that, you know, when they're finished their hours, sometimes they continue and sometimes they don't. Um, it just, it ebbs and flows. And a lot of the people have aged up and, you know, they just, they're done. They're retired. So we always need fresh blood, not only yeah. to take over, but to help me. Yeah. And speaking of community service, uh, I know so many uh, schools and organizations have that requirement. So are you able to have younger, you know, like high school kids, maybe even younger, yeah. uh, help out in that way and get their community service as well? Yeah, we are. We are registered with the local high schools. Okay. And we try to keep the age at 16. Okay. And I do take it case by case. There's a 14-year-old that's really, you know, wants to be a vet or she's, you know, really, you know, excited about it. And yeah. Except on that. Well, yeah. we seem to think 16 seems to be a good, a good age. For sure. All right, let's try to squeeze in one more call. We have a couple more things to talk about, but let's see if we can. Uh, oh, they just, they, they they were holding for a bit there. They probably got impatient. Okay, that's fine. If you want to call back, we'll definitely try to get you involved in the conversation before we have to say goodbye to, to Rihanna. So so what kind of tasks do volunteers typically handle? And how many hours per week would a typical volunteer stint be? I'd like it a uh, four-hour minimum. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, um, I, I try to, to schedule people around what they need to do, and then I schedule myself around them. I see. 
So, um, um, you know, if somebody wants to come early in the morning or late at night or whatever, um, there's there's always the litter boxes. <laughs> yeah, I would think that's endlessly necessary, right, with 50 cats? Wow. It is. It yeah. is. And, there's, you know, there's some heavy lifting and, you know, so we, we could use some muscles and um, cleaning, socializing, helping me do vetting. You know, sometimes you've got to trim their claws and you need two people to do it. One's got a scruff and one's got a clip because you get some ornery cats here and there. Um, I have office work. Photography. I mean, just about anything you could think of. Laundry. Oh, my goodness. These guys give me a lot of laundry. The cats themselves? The cats themselves, yeah. Yeah. I have one cat. Bless her heart. Her name is, uh, we named her Victoria after the woman that found her, but my vet feels she's over 16. She's blind. She's deaf. And she was uh, found in the 7-Eleven parking lot. Wow. So we keep her in a nice crate by the window. Not that she can see anything, but she tends to just urinate. She does use the litter box, but like if she's asleep or whatever, she's old. Yeah. And so she provides a lot of laundry. There's a lot of laundry here. For sure. That makes sense. A lot of blankets and other things, covers. and. But you get a lot of rewards. You get lots and lots of purrs and sandpaper kisses. Yeah. And my doggy loves to play ball. Oh, well, there you go. You also. Rescued him all the way from Texas. Wow, nice. Mm-hmm. All right, Rihanna. Well, uh, I think we're just about reaching the end of our time. We've been speaking again with Rihanna Sachs. From the Little Cats Rescue, and it's the Little Cats, plural, rescue.org. And they're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, if you want to find out more or see some pictures. But, of course, the website has available cats for um, adoption. And you also can contact uh, Rihanna through there if you have some time and would like to volunteer and help out one or more of these 50 cats that are hanging out there just looking for a little bit of additional TLC or TLCR, depending on your... <laughs> Actually, it's TLCRS. The Little Cats Rescue and Sanctuary. Wow. Okay. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of letters there. Yeah. So the, it keeps changing the uh, acronym. That's good. It keeps people on their toes like me. That's great. <laughs> All right. So, Rihanna, thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Animals, and good luck with the... Uh, thank you for the opportunity, Duncan. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a wonderful thing. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. In a moment, I'll talk with H.H. Uh, H. German, founder of Sigma Comics and the writer-creator of Calico. Thought to be the first comic book hero dedicated to fighting animal abuse with issue number seven now complete. We're in the home stretch of this eight-issue series. So I asked German about the, his creation, the challenges he's faced, offering what's believed to be the first comic book hero dedicated to fighting animal abuse and the triumphs. We'll hear that conversation in just a moment here on Talking Animals. Right now, though, we're going to step into the comedy corner in a nod to the just-concluded conversation with Rihanna Sachs. I thought we should do something feline-related. So here's Sean Cullen with a piece called Cats, in fact in today's Comedy Corner on WMNF on Talking Animals. Ladies and gentlemen, I love animals, not you. I love cats. Cats were first domesticated in China in in, uh, 712 AD. Uh, And they were used to drive uh, carriages. There were 600 cats all lined up in a long line pulling one very large carriage. Oh, and they would meow. They'd whip them. Meow! 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 On Felix. Meow! Oh, yes. Go, Morris. Meow! And eventually that led to the Cat Rebellion of 815. And the cats rose up, shaved themselves, put on little 
derbies. <laughs> Chased people around the village squares for three days until finally they got tired. And they grew their hair back. Just hung around in barns eating mice. But that's neither here nor there. Well, I love cats, and my favorite... I have two cats, and they're called Trouble and Danger. And they're little white, identical cat boys. And um, we used to have hamsters called Arts and Entertainment. But one day, uh, Trouble and Danger got at Arts and Entertainment. Now we just have entertainment with no real integrity. And uh, it's all, you know, it's sad. But my two cats, and this probably all cats do this, but I always found it really quite strange. Uh, when, when you're there and you're, they have a litter box where they throw their candy wrappers and cigarette butts. <laughs> oh, they just, no. You have your litter box and, and you, scoop out, you scoop out the horror and filth with the scoop. Oh, oh. And you put it in a plastic bag and give it to someone. We exchange it all around my building. But, you know, and it's all fresh and clean, and you put in fresh litter, and it's all beautiful and pristine. Both cats leap in, squat down, and drill a stream of urine violently into the... Ah! 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 And then walk out. Get a load of that little nugget. It's really strange. I imagine what they're doing is just claiming their territory, you know? They're claiming their little place. And it would be great if, uh, in life, you could do that. You know, like, some friend comes over with a car and says, Hey, look, I just bought this new car. Oh, it's nice. It's mine now! That was Sean Collin in today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Cats, taken from his album Simply Entitled Life. Hey, a quick uh, programming note. I will be uh, gone next week. So sitting in and hosting as usual, a great, great job will be Bev Capshaw. And the guests will be Angela Rodriguez with the USF Botanical Gardens Beekeeping Course, along with novice beekeeper Nancy Bird, owner of New World Brewery. So I'll be discussing USF's beekeeping education and the important role pollinators play in the overall ecosystem as well as the food supply. So that's next week, September 27th here on Talk Handles. And then the following week, once again, is the Fun Drive Show, October 4th. So... Please take a moment now to uh, donate early in support of Talking Animals at WMNF.org. Right now, though, it's uh, time to speak with H.H. German, founder of Sigma Comics and the writer-creator of Calico, believed to be the first comic book hero dedicated to fighting animal abuse and innovation in the comic book world for sure. So now uh, issue number seven of the eight-issue series has been launched on Kickstarter. An opportune moment to ask German to uh, access this experience. Let's welcome H.H. H. German back to Talking Animals on WNF. Good morning, H.H. H. Good morning, Tony. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us again on Talking Animals. So in our past conversations, I'm not sure we discussed what exactly prompted you to create a comic book hero dedicated to fighting animal abuse. Why was that of interest to you? I'm a former fighter from the Bronx, and I had some fights. Uh, scheduled. All were canceled due to COVID during the quarantine, and the lady I was dating mentioned that now's the time to get some creative projects off the shelf, and uh, this was it. Here comes Calico, the ultimate defender of animals. So that you had already kind of come up with the idea, but sort of tabled it for a time until the COVID sort of opened up some opportunities to re-explore some past ideas? It's just opportunity. The time came, and, uh, you know, it, I had it sort of as a novel idea. Yeah. And then as I wrote the outline, the outline lends itself more as a comic book hero, and, and sure enough, uh, as I plotted it for a comic book, it worked 
Brilliant. And so when you first sort of floated this idea to friends, colleagues, others, whatever, said, hey, man, I've got this idea for this the next comic book hero. Uh, he's going to be fighting animal abuse. What kind of a response did that elicit? I didn't share any idea. I just came out with it and uh, stepped back and, and uh, watched the fire. And uh, let me tell you, it burned beautifully. A lot of people are really responding to it. Well, you mentioned friends. You know, my best friend was the one who gave me the idea for the first issue of Here Comes Calico, where uh, a really horrible person, a cretin, uh, was abusing a dog. And uh, it's from a video we saw. The truth is, Duncan, as you know, animal abuse and cruelty is real. It happens every day. It happens all around the world. Yeah. We have a lot of... Uh, source material unfortunate yeah well that is unfortunate but but meanwhile you're seven issues into this um eight issue series so what has been the response to the actual comic books themselves i mean what uh unbelievable unbelievable we we pretty much travel every weekend this weekend i'll be in salt lake city for fan x uh but it doesn't matter it's uh, san diego comic-con sold out chicago fan expo sold out boston fan expo sold out now when you say sold out you mean like at your booth at, at these conventions Sure. Yep, the the, air, the airplane limit is 100 pounds. We sell out of 100 pounds of comics every weekend. Three wow. Sell out of, it's crazy. It's wonderful. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it speaks to the quality of the comic book and also the, the seriousness and passion towards the, the mission. For sure. So are a lot of the people that come to those various Comic Cons and all the other sort of counterparts at different cities, including, I guess you're saying, Salt Lake City uh, coming up. Are they not aware of Calico before they arrive at that given conference or convention, or especially right. at your booth, or are they aware of it? Excellent, excellent question. Uh, most of them are not, and that's because, you know, it typically takes five to ten years, believe it or not, uh, for an indie comic book, that, that being an underground comic book that isn't mainstream, yeah. to really gain some traction. So we're still considered a new series, even though we're, you know, seven issues in, because, you know, we're only a couple of years old, two years old. Yeah. So, yeah, most of the people do not know and they're just what what happens is their uh their uh senses are overwhelmed with just the, the creativity because it's totally unique and that's the thing when you're going to these comic cons a lot of times you see the same thing over and over again this is really the first time anyone has ever covered the topic of you know fighting animal abuse and you know the character is i mean imagine uh you know charles bronson's character paul kersey from death wish a more intense and dangerous guy going after people who abuse animals it's really satisfying for us animal lovers. So, and have you heard, HH, from animal activists and or organizations that deal with animal abuse or animal welfare? Absolutely. Those are our biggest customers, our, our, our most ardent customers and fans of the series. And yes, uh, we, in the comic book, as you know, we actually dedicate a couple of pages to charities yeah. dedicated to fighting animal abuse. So as we learn about more of them, you know, we partner with them and we're able to disseminate the message even more. And so they must just feel like, hey, this is a great way to help carry out our own mission in a different way about trying to stop animal abuse and educate people about you know, sometimes it's a matter of neglect or whatever that, that leads to those kinds of situations. So sometimes just having a different medium altogether to, to bring that message to them is probably super helpful. Bingo. That's it right there. It opens them up to a whole new audience, and it's the pop culture. You know, we've uh, used this example before. You know, re uh, pop culture directly impacts real culture. Okay, If you look at the Jefferson, if you look at uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show, if you look at Will and Greg, uh, 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 Will and Greg, or, uh, I forget, I'm probably saying that. Will and Grace. Will, great Will and Grace, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these are all pieces of pop art, pop culture that directly impact the real culture. And that's a social scientific term. 
And yes, because we're opening up to a new market, all of these entities that are charitable are really opening up to us, and we love it. All right, two final quick questions because we're just about running out of time here, HH. But one is, is there, since we're almost at the tail end of this eight-issue series, is there likely to be a second series? Absolutely. Uh, We have wonderful momentum going into a second series, so... We're already scripting a uh, another series based on this one. This is Hector, the protagonist, the Calico, when he was younger. So this is about 25 years ago when he was in his teens. Yeah. Um, so we're already working on that as we speak. That's and great. And a uh, second series of Calico is definitely something we have planned. So absolutely. And uh, it's on Kickstarter right now, issue seven. So uh, here comes Calico. All you got to do is go on Kickstarter, type in here comes Calico, and you get all the issues. And we really appreciate your support. Well, that was, that was question number two, where people could get involved or support the thing, and that's it. Kickstarter, search for here comes Calico, and they're in business. Kickstarter.com. That's all you got to do, folks. Type in here comes, uh, type in Kickstarter.com in your browser, and once you're there, type in here comes Calico, and you'll see the latest Here Comes Calico campaign. And you can back all the issues or just number seven, whatever you like. And we'd really appreciate your support. That's what we're all about. All right, HH. Good luck. We'll talk to you again. We'll keep tracking this thing. And I'm so happy to uh, hear that it's going so well. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate your support. Thank you. Take care. Coming up on WNF, it's Slice of Life, the wonderful new show hosted by Randy Zimmerman. After that, we shift back to music programming with Jim Bannon holding forth from 1 to 3, followed by Robin and Cassie from 3 to 6. Uh, and then ordinarily, our terrific uh, Wednesday night block of Latin music kicks in, but tonight it's even more than that. There's a, an array of things, Latin night, open house, there's all kinds of great things, so please come by the station for that. It's WNF Tampa. We'll see you two Wednesdays from now on the 4th. Bev Capture here next Wednesday with Beekeeping. Please support us at Talking Animals uh, on WMNF.org at the tip jar. Thanks. <laughs>